Hello, everyone. Welcome to Untying Knots, and we're so glad that you have joined us again today. Hopefully, it's again. Hopefully, this is not the first time that you have heard our program or our podcast. I am here with Bronwyn Weaver, my partner in this endeavor. How are you doing, Bronwyn? I am doing great, Rustin. I am doing wonderfully well. And if if you are catching us for the first time, um, basically this is like a kind of a, a really a storytelling podcast. And um, we are, you know, we like to tell stories that can inspire, maybe something you can, you know, learn something from. And uh, we are, I'm not really sure how many we've done up to this point, but I don't know. What do you think, Bronwyn? How do you think it's going? I, I love doing this. And hopefully with these stories, you'll be able to at least find something to relate to. Because I think that's one of the reasons why Rustin and I felt really compelled to do this podcast is that maybe it's the time in our lives, but we're just looking back, appreciating the fact that the things that have really put their thumbprint on what our life is all about really have come from maybe moments that at the time seemed maybe insignificant, maybe not that big of a deal, but they stuck with us and they made an impression on us. And to take the time and reflect about it and even just to share it is is really important. And I think as I get older, it's more and more important. So that's what we hope. People will be able to jump in, listen to these stories, maybe have a chuckle, maybe um, it's a time that you can reflect a little too. And that would be accomplishing what we hope to accomplish when we started out on this. And we would love to hear your comments. So please, those comments, that's important feedback to us. We want this to get better and better and hoping that we can really dial it in. And I just want to say too, before we get started today, it's a special day. Rustin Hamilton's birthday is today. And so Rustin, any thoughts? I mean, every birthday is a little different, but it's always kind of the same. How are you feeling today? You know, uh, I've been busy. So, and, and okay, so today, we're not supposed to date these things. We are totally dating this today and we don't care. All right. So let's just get that out of the way. It's not, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal, but uh, it is a Monday. So, you know, we focused on, I focused on making sure everyone celebrated me the entire weekend. So it's, it's the birthday weekend. The birthday itself is on a Monday. Um, I won't say my actual age, but yeah, we don't want to date it that much. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of the last ones I really want to celebrate. I'll just say that right now. So, um, but no, it's been good, you know, and you do reflect, you know, and that's kind of what this is about, I guess. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it before. I think you, you know, these kinds of stories, I think we've had colorful lives. And so we have a lot to talk about, but everyone has something in their life that they've, that they've gone through, that they've had to learn from, or maybe just something that, helps establish who they are as a person. It shapes their personality a little bit. It gives them perspective after they've gone through it. Um, you know, it could be a difficult time, could be something that was more fun or fascinating, whatever. And so we like the fact that, that hopefully this will get you, the listener, to think about some of the things that you've gone through and maybe to write them down or to record them. And, you know, something kind of cool that's happened um, where we are right now. My mother is in a is in a uh, basically a, a nursing home right now. And one of the things that my sister has done with her is that 
she she goes and visits her, you know, two or three times a week, even though she's about an hour away. And they've really just focused on writing stories, writing writing the stories of her life. Some a lot of the things that she has shared with us just verbally over the years. She wanted to make sure my sister wanted to make sure that she got those things down on paper, um, and in their case, literally on paper. They're writing them out, and so. Uh, that's what we want other people to do. You know, we, uh, there's value in all of these little things that we've, that we've lived through. And obviously the, the older you get, the more stories that you have to tell. But, um, even if you're in your twenties or teens or whatever, you've already developed some of those things. And so it's important to remember them and to, to express them one way or the other, you know, let other people get a good laugh out of it or, or learn something from it. I think, you know, it's interesting because one aspect of it is the journaling part of it. And that is the part about getting what is that impression, getting the experiences down on paper. I think that is, it's hugely important and can often be very therapeutic. What we're doing with this podcast is taking that a step further, and that is in the sharing of those stories. And so I think those are, those are two different events you know, to reflect and, and put it down on paper is so important. And then the sharing of them. And so I can see what your mom and sister are doing is probably really wonderful for both of them to experience because it's both of them. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Good for my mother as much as the rest of the family who, you know, we get to read those things and, and it's good for her because she, it challenges her mind a little bit makes her think back and, even though short-term memory sometimes as you get older can go away, go away a little bit quicker, uh, long-term memory has a tendency to stick around. And so that's really pro- proven to be the case here. You know, um, she has great memories of growing up as a kid, and she's uh, even though she's 85 right now. So, so anyway, and speaking of my mom, the story for today is I call it the tornado and the chicken because this is about where I grew up on a farm and in uh, Southeast Kansas and how we, <laughs> how we got a chicken, the one and only chicken that's, that was ever on the, uh, the Hamilton farm. And so anyway, I, I'm, I guess I'll just proceed. Anything you want to throw out before I get going? No, this is, this is one of my favorite, favorite stories that you've shared with me before, but I've always heard it in fits and spurts. So I'm ready. I'm sitting back. I'm ready to hear the whole thing from beginning to end. Take it away. So here's the setting. I grew up on a farm in southeast Kansas, tucked up against the Oklahoma border, just a couple of miles from the state line. It's that part of the country that is called Tornado Alley, and I don't think I have to explain what that means. Lots of tornadoes compared to other parts of the country. The ironic thing, though, is that after living in the Midwest all these years, I still haven't actually seen a tornado on the ground. I've seen them go over our heads, still in the sky. I've seen the destruction that they leave behind. And I've hidden from plenty of them, both in Kansas during my childhood and as an adult here in northwest Missouri. But I've never actually seen one. I've been through a hurricane. I've survived an earthquake. And by the way, that was the second scariest minute of my life. And I uh, also survived what would become a Guinness World Record hailstorm where some of the hailstones were the size of footballs. I kid you not. In fact, if you find an older Guinness Book of World Records book, you will see a classmate of mine, Junior McCutcheon, 
holding, <laughs> he's from my grade school, and he was holding one of these massive hailstones. And I used to be able to go back at that book and just like it had Coffeeville, Kansas. That's where I'm from as the largest hailstones in the world. And then later somewhere in Russia beat us. But uh, so survived that as well. So bottom line, after living in Tornado Alley most of my life, I've still never actually seen a tornado. Now, for most people, that would be considered a blessing, and it is, I guess. But my father, like most fathers where I grew up, always had one eye to the sky. He loved watching those dark clouds roll in. And the goal for all brave Kansas men was to actually witness a tornado in all of its glory on the ground before hopping into the cellar at the last second. When I was really young, it was not untypical for dad to send the rest of the family downstairs so we would be protected while he just stood outside gazing up into the sky, praying for the Lord's blessings, while also hoping that he would see a big one pop out of the sky and harmlessly kick up some dust out in the pasture somewhere. Of course, that hardly ever happens. Well, I don't recall the year. Let's just say I was in the fourth grade or so when a tornado warning was announced on the local radio station, KGGF, the mighty 690. By this time, I was old enough to stay with Dad outside as we both surveyed the possibilities of a funnel cloud, while my mom and two sisters went into the cellar. Actually, we were all just hanging out that particular day, putting off going into that dank basement until my mom's voice reached a certain pitch, indicating an almost primal level of anxiety. Most of the time, we never got there, and the storm would just roll away. But this day was different. We could see the clouds circling each other in the sky. The air cooled very quickly. The sky was dark, and we just knew that it was time to get serious. So begrudgingly, down into the cellar we went. Twenty minutes later, out we came. Indeed, a tornado had hit, but not on our farm. And we were thankful for that. Instead, we moaned and groaned, about all of the trash that somehow ended up on our property. Someone endured the wrath of the storm, and the high winds had carried their stuff over to our yard for us to pick up. So we all jumped in to get it over with when Dad started laughing. Look at what I found, he said. And there it was, a little chicken, friar size, in other words, a young adult, looking dead on the ground. It was missing feathers, but when Dad picked it up, it started kicking and made some lame attempts at flapping. We were all amazed this little chicken had survived what surely was a crazy ride on the winds of a tornado. Too bad it couldn't talk. Dad was holding it in his hands and then turned his back to us. We all guessed pretty quickly that he was about to wring its neck. In other words, put it out of its misery. Now, there are two reasons this was about to happen. First, the misery piece that I just mentioned. But also because we were a red meat operation. We raised cattle, hogs, and sheep on our small farm. But never, ever would you find a chicken on our property. Rabbits, maybe, but not chickens. Still, killing that bird just didn't seem right. It lived through a tornado, Dad, I said. You can't kill it now. Dad just sighed. He received no joy out of killing anything, regardless of the reason. So he said, fine but it's probably not going to make it, so be ready for that. And you're going to have to nurse it back to health. I'm not spending any money on it. 
which meant that he wasn't going to take it to the vet. And we already knew that. The trash lying around didn't indicate who might have owned the chicken, and whoever it was probably wasn't going to miss this one little bird. That little bird was in bad shape. It couldn't fly. Then again, it was a chicken. But to be honest, I can barely remember what we did to help it survive. I think we put it in a box, probably in the kitchen for a few days, which was typical for how we handled orphans and sick baby farm animals. And then we gave it some food and water. As was typical, if it survived the night, we would name it. It did. So we named it Henrietta, because we obviously were not very creative back then. Needless to say, Henrietta survived, because this wouldn't be a very good story if it didn't. A few months later, we had a name change. That came about one morning when the family was suddenly awakened to the sound of a rooster crowing. It never dawned on us that just maybe this bird was a guy. So Henrietta became Henry. I know, still not very creative. But Henry thrived on our little farm and lived at least five to six years with our family. Over time, Henry became this massive, beautiful Rhode Island red rooster. Its feathers were shiny dark red with green and blue feathers mixed in for contrast. He was a pet. Since there were not any other chickens on the farm, Henry probably thought he was a pig. Henry loved the pigs and would ride around on the backs of the sows in the barnyard. The local paper even came out to take a picture of Henry and Petunia, my sister's favorite Duroc sow. And by the way, she named all of her Duroc sows after flowers because she was offended that people thought they stunk. Uh, that's another story. Anyway, so sure enough, the picture of Henry and, and Petunia landed on the front page of the Coffeeville Journal, our local paper. I suppose I could end this story with how everything ended for Henry, but why go down that road? Today, we celebrate the life of a chicken who rode into town on the back of a tornado. Oh, I love that story, Rustin. That is just... Gosh, all of a sudden I'm in fourth grade too, imagining what it would, what it would have been like. Well, you know, uh, it was, even then, you know, if you grow up on a farm at all and you're around livestock or a lot of animals, there's just a lot of things that happen. You, as I think, I think every kid should experience, on, experience it on some level. And uh, you have to deal with life and death at an earlier age than someone who, even if it's just pets, you know, a dog and some cats or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but it always lends itself to really good stories. And I was making a list, you know, when we were talking about doing this podcast, I think we both made lists of our, what are the possible stories that we could tell, you know, and there's a decent number of them that involve farm animals because just funny, interesting things happen. And so, but this was one of them. And I'm telling you that, that rooster, Henry, was just a massive bird. I mean, when I, I mean, just massive. I don't think I've ever seen a bird that large. You know, he had all of our focus when it came to like feeding him and everything. And he didn't lack for anything, I suppose. So it was just kind of a cool, cool little side story, I guess, to, uh, to our lives growing up and growing up on the farm. So. You know, Rustin, you and I are about the same age. And when I was in second grade, we had, chickens. Uh, it was, we were city folks that had just moved to a farm and we got a handful of chickens, put them in an old corn crib. And I named the hen that I loved Henrietta. And of the big 
rooster was Henry. So I don't know. Maybe there was something in our childhood in the mid to late 60s that had a chicken Henrietta and a rooster Henry because we named them the same thing. Could be. That's funny. Well, I, I distinctly remember when uh, when Henrietta became Henry, you know, we didn't know the difference between a male and a female. It wasn't like we didn't check it out. We just we just didn't know, you know, and, and it's not it's not really obvious on a chicken. Um, years later, when I was in FFA and 4-H and stuff, we actually did some poultry judging, if you know what that is. And so you had to learn some of that stuff. But at that point, we didn't know. So we we're just like, we think it's a female, you know, and then literally once once that chicken uh, got healthy, you know, then one morning, I remember it really well, actually, because we all, we all jumped up like, what the heck? You know, something is crowing outside and we didn't care for that because we were not like really early, early, early risers. Sure enough, there there it was like standing on the car or something like that, crowing like crazy. He did last a long time and we didn't have a coop or anything. It's it's really amazing that really that he stuck around for a good number of years, considering all the dogs that we had, you know, everything that that could have potentially killed that bird you know so well i want to hear one before we wrap up i want to hear about the football sized hail that just is amazing to me were you at school in the time or like when did that happen i think it was over a weekend or it might have been during the summer but i was home and i i remember it very well i would say the average size of the is this a big hail storm that came into our area Southeast Kansas, Coffeyville is the closest town to us, which is about five or six miles away. And um, I just remember we started getting hail, nothing unusual around there. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden we just, you know, it started sounding like crashes, like they were so big and they were hitting the vehicles, they were hitting the house and it was just, you know, uh, destroying things. And so I would say the average size of the hailstones for a period, I can't remember how long the storm lasted, but uh, um, were over softball size stones, right? That, w- that would have been the average. So the ones beyond that were, um, you know, anything from that up to a- approximately the size of a football. And the, and the picture that was in the Guinness Book of World Records for years was that was about how big it was. And I remember Junior, <laughs> a kid that I, played baseball with in little league. Um, I just always remember him, you know, he doesn't have a shirt on, you know, and he's just holding this thing and they took a picture of it and I can't remember how much it weighed, but it was just, it was a massive storm and it made, made the national news at the time. This would have been 1970s of course. And, and uh, so, yeah. And then we had, we had stones that we had put in the freezer, you know, you don't know what you're going to do with them. And, and back in those days, because of condensation and older refrigerators and freezers, you know, it started like they all started kind of melting together and everything. But but uh, we, knew, we knew the significance of it at that time, though. It was a big deal as they were coming down. And so mom and dad were sending us out to grab them. They were putting football helmets on us. <laughs> and dad, who was a part-time firefighter, uh, like volunteer, you know, had a had a. Uh, um, one of the bit, this is the, the better one because it, you know, went over your back a little bit, but had a fireman's hat and we would go out and start collecting them, you know, and mom and dad didn't go outside. They sent us kids out to, 
<laughs> to get up in the middle of the storm. <laughs> it wasn't like they waited for it to like, go get that one. That one's big. Go get that one. Uh, anyway. Well, you know, it's, it really is, uh, the way that you grew up, uh, our, my growing up in a, a childhood on a farm, my parents really, it, it was more of an adventure because they were not farmers. My sisters were grown. I was little. It was like everything was novel and new. Your family, it was hardwired growing up on a farm. And I, I think both of us, although they're different experiences, probably wouldn't trade it at all. I mean, the idea that, you know, you, you grew up surrounded by animals, surrounded by nature, um, experiencing all the good and the bad and and how probably your faith was a cornerstone in all of it because when you live that closely with nature and the good, the bad, you really have to, at least I believe, that you need to be very aware, you need to appreciate all the beauty and all the blessings, and you need to pray through all the hard stuff and if you don't have that worldview, that 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 awareness, it would be it would I don't know. You and I would be very different people. And I really feel for kids that grow up observing, watching, and not really experiencing all of that. You know, my. Uh... I don't. I don't want to say regret. I just. I don't quite think that way. But you know, I. I've lived in the Kansas City area for many years now, and um, number of decades since as an adult. And we have two girls, and um, we live on the outskirts of town. Um, they they have had a chance to experience some of this by going to my sister's homes, and they both live on on farms smaller farms, uh, but, but still with animals and everything, but they didn't get to experience what I experienced. And I, and I regret that, um, in a way, but my job has always required me to live close to the city. And if you're buying land around a city at all, it's extraordinarily expensive. And so they just didn't have quite the opportunity. And sometimes I actually feel, feel bad for that. I, you know, a little bit guilty actually, because I definitely got to experience things that, that they have not. And, um, and you know what, conversely, they've experienced things that I didn't get to experience. So there is that side of it. But yeah, there's something to, there's something to growing up that way. And, and I think a lot of people romanticize it and I think there's that element to it, but it's also hard. And if you're, you know, we didn't make our living off the farm necessarily, but it was related. Our family built trailers for ranchers. And so we were very tied into the agricultural community. Um, how farming and ranching went was how we went also. So if it was doing well, we would do a, you know pretty well. If it went down the toilet, then you know so so would we. So it's um, you know there is there's a lot of respect there for people who have to go through this. It's not necessarily easy, but it certainly is fulfilling and. Um, like anything else, you have a tendency to remember the the good times more than the bad times. Yeah. Well, I love your story and that sweet little chicken who uh, didn't know what had happened to him 
but dropped out of the sky. He was pretty fortunate to have dropped out where somebody was able to lovingly pick him up and put him in a box and uh, tend to him. So (laughs) great story, Rustin. Oh, thank you. Well, if you uh, are checking out our uh, podcast again uh, for the first time, make sure you check out some of our other stories that uh, um, that we have recorded. And wherever you found this podcast, just keep looking for the other ones. They are out there. And uh, we certainly enjoy this and hope that you enjoy it as well. So on behalf of Graham Smith and Bronwyn Weaver, I'm Rustin Hamilton. Thanks for being a part of our podcast today. 